the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Good afternoon. You are listening to the Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560 WFIL.com and on the WFIL app. Thanks for listening in. Forecast calling for a cloudy rest of the afternoon. May get a little sprinkle here or there. Same for tonight, low of 36. Tomorrow, still cloudy. A couple showers possible, high of 50. Flyers at home tonight against Boston at 7. Sixers at Indiana tonight at 7. Pro football yesterday, a couple of big games. Kansas City came from behind. Record fashion took care of Houston at 51-31. They'll move on to play Tennessee this coming weekend in the AFC Championship game. In the NFC game, it'll be Green Bay and San Francisco after Green Bay's 28-23 win over Seattle yesterday. College football championship is tonight. Big game. Clemson ranked third against LSU, ranked first. Uh, they're both 14-0, and that should be a great game as well. Also, in terms of numbers, you know we've been working with Preborn during the month of January. We are just over 20%, 21% of the way to our goal, which is a great start. Thank you to everyone who's helped out so far. In a nutshell, we are looking to find folks willing to help with uh, providing a free ultrasound for pregnant girls and women. $28 is the cost for one. We're looking to do 400 as a WFL listening family, basically one for the course of each day this year and rounding up a little bit. Uh, if you want to help out with that, it's 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY. It's 833-850-2229. You can do one or five or 10, or if you don't want to do the math on the 28 part, you can do uh, whatever amount you'd like to help out with. Thanks again to all who have helped out. You can also do so at WFIL.com. Uh, we are looking forward to... A pretty cool hour today. But first, hello, Danny. How are you today? And how was your weekend? I'm great. How are you? Good. Ready for a big show? Oh, yeah. We, Monday. Yes. We're going to jump right into it because we have, you know, we talk about the show being a wide variety, right? Mm-hmm. So we like to with the flavor it up periodically. And this hour will be a little bit of a Greek kind of a thing. I'm excited. I'm Greek, you know. I know. And so we have our, our, our we have a guest who's an author. His name is Chris Palmer. And he has a book called Letters from Jesus. Uh, he also does this big podcast called Greek for the Week. And I can smell it from here. My sister, I believe, is doing a little cooking this afternoon. Mm. And so she's going to hopefully take a little time and try and get in touch and have her on to share a little Greek recipe action. I love Mediterranean food. Yes, that's right. You know, I had some Mediterranean food uh, for lunch today. Way too much, though. Yeah. And now I have falafel. Oh. Thank you. God. Thank you very much. I wish I had the sound effects ready. Oh, I know. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's you know, something I didn't warn you about. You should always have the sound effects ready, by the way. You're right. For that matter. But uh, on that note, we also want to encourage you because we have the text line all ready to roll. Do we not? Okay, so if folks want to text in to win this book as you're listening in this hour, just send a, a quick note to 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683, and that's if you want to get yourself in the running to win a copy of Letters from Jesus by Chris Palmer, who is our guest for the hour. Just put your uh, first and last name in there, if you would, and the word Greek, and that'll be fine, 
and it will draw several winners after the program. But let's join our guest. Hello, Chris. Hey, Tim. How you doing? Good. How are you? Hey, good afternoon to the, uh, the home of Rocky Balboa. That's it. Among many other things. <laughs> you know, when I go to the Philly airport, I see all the posters of all the movies that were filmed in Philadelphia. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so I'm a huge, huge Philly fan. And where are you from? Um, just outside of Detroit, Michigan, about 30 miles from Okay. Well, so we have we have a history. We have a history with the Wings and the Flyers, and uh, you know we're, I'm a sports fan. So we've had we've been let down by you know the the Phillies or the uh, the Philadelphia teams in the past. Good good rivalries and stuff, and uh, yeah. But but I love the city. I, you know I've been to the Rocky Steps many times, and uh, it's a great place. Have you run up and down the steps and done the whole victory? You know, <laughs> you know, I, I did it the first time, and then I, I thought I was so cool. And now when I go and see people doing it, I think that was me at one point. <laughs> <laughs> well, like we all hope to mature over time. That's a that's a good example right there. Yeah, it's so true. It's yeah. so true. So, so great to talk to you. Though. Yeah, you too. Our, our our guest on the program is Chris Palmer, and the book is called Letters from Jesus. And you know. Chris, just to paint a picture, in my office, I have a big library of books, and we get more, like three or four just came in the mail today, and there's always lots to sort through. There's a lot of good stuff to to talk to people about, but there's only so much time. But when I saw this, because all four of my grandparents came from uh, Constantinople, actually, when the the borders were kind of undefined a little bit. So we're Greek and Turkish, I guess. It depends on when, how you view it. So I've grown up in that culture and I saw, I was like, I have to, if this book is anywhere like close to being talked, talkable about, <laughs> I need to <laughs> add some culture to our program. Good. Glad so to do it. Glad to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so share a little bit, a little bit, cause you also have the podcast, the Greek for the week podcast. Maybe uh, take as much time as you want to give a little bit of a lead up to the book Letters from Jesus, and, uh, you know, what led to you putting it together in the first place? Well, you know, I uh, began studying Greek. I did nine semesters of it from 2006 up until present, and uh, quite simply put, the Greek really brought, uh, you know, reading the Bible in translation is one thing when you read it from the English, but when you read it from the original, there's nuances that really come to life that just don't get carried over into English, and when I began doing work in Italy and, and preaching, and I started to see how language functions, that you can't be precise uh, exactly word for word. So that's not really how translation is done. And so when when I started to see that nuances just can't carry over into the English, I started studying Greek more precisely and started seeing, wow, it really comes alive. So um, the Book of Revelation is where I'm, my area of study, where I'm working my doctoral on, and I just started to notice that Revelation 2 and 3 just don't get talked about. Uh, there are letters to the present churches. John is writing to them through Christ. And, you know, you, on social media, you don't see people quoting from Revelation 2 and 3. You don't see these making it into a lot of the popular literature. And there's warnings in there. Um, maybe they're avoided, but they're very encouraging, although they're strong. And I felt, hey, what a great opportunity to go through this in the Greek and pull things out, because John's writing in the Greek is very fascinating. I wouldn't say he has the best Greek, because that would probably go to Luke, because Luke was more efficient, probably more educated as a physician. But John was a Hebrew, he was a Jew, and he spoke Greek, so when he's writing, he kind of invents his own Greek. He's thinking in Hebrew, and he's writing in Greek, so you get this style that's really unusual, and a lot of wordplay, and, and he's very kind of uh, just crafty the way he does it, clever, I should say. Yeah. So I like, went through Revelation 2 and 3, 
Chad's pulled out some great insights, but of course, I felt, you know, nobody's really going to care unless I put it into something contemporary. So that's what I sought to do for the book. Yeah. Chris Palmer's our guest. The book, again, is called Letters from Jesus. And I'm going to dive into the book a little more with you in a moment. The podcast, if you can talk about that for a second, and also your pastor. So um, maybe even just in a kind of a Reader's Digest form, if you want, unpack a little bit of how you, even even starting for a second with how God got a hold of you in the first place, if, in terms of growing up in a Christian environment, or if it was later in life for you, and then how you do the, like the order of things, pastor, yeah. podcast, book, or whatever. Yeah, sure. Grew up in a Christian home, got saved at 12. I mean, wasn't doing terrible things, you know, just throwing rocks and, uh, you know, <laughs> what, what little kids do at 12. Yeah. But God saved me at a young age, encountered him, 14, had a tremendous encounter with the Spirit of God, and um, started evangelizing the neighborhood. But at 17, 18, I was preaching at 14, but I don't know what I was preaching. I feel sorry for anybody that had to sit through those sermons. Uh, you know, yeah. I still feel that way today, I guess. When, yeah. But, you know, God does know. what he's, he, God's going to do what he's going to do. You know, it's a good thing he's not bound by us, but. That's true. That's so true. Um, and then uh, at 17, I really started studying the Word of God. I mean, really, really studying, studying it. And then I went to Bible school and started studying it. And uh, I just really became a student of the Word. And just uh, my passion became for education. As a pastor, I started pastoring uh, with a full-time evangelist and teacher for quite some time. And in 2015, I started a church, and our church had a focus on, of course, evangelism souls, but also education, educating believers, teaching them to be apologists and, and respective, uh, you know, defenders of the Word of God, as well as to really go to dive deep in God's Word and not get so deep that we get lost and we can't be communicable to people, but communicate it in ways that our uh, our contemporary society can understand it. Okay, so that's kind of where I'm at with things in my writing that try to bring scholarship and the Word of God together in a contemporary way. Okay, and I want to come back to that thought in a second, but uh, at the risk of hopefully not losing track, the the, the podcast yeah. you do also, how long is that, the Greek for the Week podcast, how has that been long been going? Yeah, so I really I enjoyed podcasting. Was a, hit, a bit hesitant to do it because everybody podcasts today, but I feel that, you know, it's a good resource and been great. They have good responses on it. I take my Greek for the Week, which I place every Wednesday, Greek for the Week on Instagram and Facebook. It's just one minute. I take a Greek word from something in the New Testament. I tell you what it means, or I give to you a certain nuance, a tense, a voice, a mood that kind of gives you something, uh, and I kind of expound upon it and make a quick application for it. And then I've been doing that for two and a half years on Instagram and Facebook, uh, Twitter as well. And then, you know, People say, hey, can you expand it a little bit? So I would take it now to the podcast, which is about 15 minutes, okay. and I just kind of talk about it. And a lot of pastors have found it helpful to incorporate it in their sermon materials, which I like because I really write resources that I hope pastors and church leaders, uh, lay people, Sunday school teachers are able to use and that they find insightful, and they seem to do so with the podcast. Um, so to clarify... The Greek for the Week podcast, as so listeners understand, it's not you picking out your favorite Greek person like George Stephanopoulos or Giannis Antetokounmpo or whatever I say from the Milwaukee Bucks, right? It's, right. it's Greek words, not people, because you'd run out probably of your favorite Greeks. I don't know how many well-known Greeks there are. You have to do reruns pretty quickly there, I guess. So, all right, just to make sure we understand. Chris Palmer, our guest, the book's called Letters from Jesus, Studies from the Seven Churches... Revelation. If you want to win a copy, send a text to 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683. It's your first and last name in the word Greek. We'll make several winners over the course of the hour. Back with Chris Palmer and more in the Tim DeMoss Show here. The FIL. Thanks for listening in today.
You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show, heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. 416, The Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the app. Thanks for tuning in. We're glad you're listening. Chris Palmer is our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL in Philadelphia. You brought up a good point, too. And just, you know, in fact, early on, you talk about in the book your love of microscopes when you were a kid. And maybe that would help people understand a little further, like, why you would put this book together. How you're, Maybe you could talk about your love of microscopes as well as the microscope under, of Scripture with the Greek. Well, you know, I, sure, you know, I was a kid, I had a microscope, and I was putting everything I could find on that microscope, little, little feathers and bugs and torturing poor little daddy long legs to see what their legs look like, you know, and uh, I, I started to notice that's something in my personality. I, I don't just want to know. I want to look under the hood to see how it works, right? So it means I'm technical. So I said, hey, you know, as I began studying the Word of God, I would see like redemption or I would see justification or I'd see these words and i think, hey, what are, what are these words? What do they mean? And then as I became more inquisitive, I started to say, well, you have to go to Greek next. I mean, if you're that inquisitive about it, you have to go to the original language. And so I did. And when I went to the original language, I started to see, wait a second, why are our, our modern translations are accurate? I have, I'm all for people ask me all the time. The number one question I get is, what translation should I use? And I say, use them all, because there's a place for all of them. There's no Dr. Evil behind the NIV or the ESV. That's trying to. This is just all. This is just all. Just people on social media. It's not that. It's just there's requirements to make certain exegetical decisions about cases, genders, numbers, uh, nuances that it requires people to make decisions about it. Sometimes people don't like those. Anyway. Yeah. Um. But I start to see it how it really comes alive in a way that really just getting into the the language um, brings so. The problem that I say, and I say this in my next book, which will be out in the summer, okay. is that I don't, I like commentaries, but I don't like them. I like them because, you know, they're technical, and there is really a lot of wonderful stuff in commentaries, but I don't like them because other people don't like them, and that's a problem because, you know, successful writing means people are reading your stuff, and I think sometimes people, they get lost in commentaries. They said, okay, so this Greek for the Week book, my goal is going to be to take the the wonderful stuff that commentators give us, that people, that uh, linguists give us, biblical linguists give us, and to carry that over without losing the meaning and to put it into a book that the mother at home who has three-year-olds running around and throwing toys at the wall can yeah. understand. Yes, right. You know? So, and that's what I hope to accomplish. And that's what great feedback. So let's hope that at least, Half my readers think I've accomplished that. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Palmer is our guest. The Greek for the week, the book "Letters from Jesus," and you you bring up a great point. Something just on the on the on the surface, I was thinking, and the idea that you know there's a balance between, say, being simple or less mature, or not to be confused mm-hmm. with childlike, because you can have a childlike mm-hmm. spirit, regardless of if you're very educated or not educated or whatever, how mature you are. Um, mm-hmm. But the thought about you know, a person saying, well, do I, this Greek book, do I, do I have to know Greek? Do I have to learn Greek to read it? Is it in Greek or, or, am I, or in general, besides, you know, your book, the Bible, like, are you saying that, um, you know, what, to what extent would this enhance versus 
actually there's a whole ton more you don't know anything about unless you learn the you know the Greek that it was written in. Yeah. So how do you like help people understand maybe what's still to know that they maybe will, will appreciate yeah. as an enhancement? Like, is it salt or is it like a whole piece of meat that's not on the plate yet because they don't know Greek Got yet? It. Yeah, okay, so you don't have to know a single ounce of Greek to answer the question. Okay. You, you don't even have to know the New Testament is written in Greek. You would eventually, maybe after the first page, but you don't have to know Greek. You don't even have to really appreciate Greek to get the insights that are in there. Now, some books that have that are out there People say, well, there's not enough Greek in this book, or there's too much Greek in this book. There is, you know, can people had, so I said, you know what, I want to make a balance. So for the average person, like I said, the busy businessman or businesswoman who is, has 10 minutes in the morning, okay, you could totally skip over the things that I, that I end note. All the scholarly stuff is end noted. So you don't, it doesn't slow the reading down. It doesn't. Uh, you know, cause the read to be slow. It's a quick read. But if you're a scholar and you say, hey, I want to see the gender, number, case, voice, tense, mood of the word, in the back, it's in the footnote, it's in the endnote section. So the read doesn't get slowed down. I think both people would be happy. There is Greek in the book. Uh, every section is introduced with the English translation from the ESV, as well as the Greek, and the words that I'm playing with are highlighted in both. You can totally skip that. And go over it. If you don't care about it, it's easy. Your eyes gloss right over it. Get into the Greek. And every, just about every chapter is introduced with an illustration, some interesting story from culture, a newspaper article, something to illustrate what I'm trying to say about the seven churches and the message that Christ has for them. And um, that's kind of my methodology for it and for the next book that I've finished writing and will be out in August. Okay, that's well explained. Uh, Chris Palmer is our guest. Greek for the Week, uh, Letters from Jesus is the book that we're talking about. And, and as you explain that, that, you know, each of these chapters, they're, I guess they're 52. Was it intentional to be 52? It just turned out that way? Uh, you know, it, we, we, we did 52. The, the next one, though, is uh, the next one is 90. So, But this one just happened to be 52. Okay. Yeah, we did for the weeks, the two weeks there. Okay, Absolutely. so it's tied into the week concept in that regard. But because the chapters are, yeah. are shorter, like you said, they're, you know, four or five pages or whatever it might be. Um, yeah, you can, you can read one a week, you can read one a day, you can read five a day, it's up to you. Chris Palmer's our guest. Greek for the Week is the podcast. The book is Letters from Jesus, Studies from the Seven Churches of Revelation. If you want to win a copy, send a quick text to 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683. Just put your first and last name in there, and the word Greek, and we'll put you in the mix for that. Also, I'm going to tap into the Greek uh, cuisine side of things a little later on in the hour a local expert who happens to be related to me. We'll get to that a little bit later on as well. Listen to the Tim DeMoss Show and WFIL. Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Once again, 610-500-DOVE is the text line for the Tim DeMoss Show and WFIL. 610-500-3683. If you want to win letters from Jesus from Chris Palmer, Greek for the week is the book. 610-500-3683. First and last name. And uh, the word Greek will suffice. Chris Palmer, I guess, Greek for the week, uh, the book, Letters from Jesus. Uh, you mentioned as an example, chapter 40, it says, wait for God's opportunities to change your life. And I, I picked that for a number of reasons, including I think everyone's been there, and I know I have been. Um, 
and sometimes still am. And the word Philadelphia, of course, being in there, we had to tie in Philadelphia somehow <laughs> in our conversation. But share the because you mentioned a story like how how the book has those practical examples or just things from the culture like that. The the essay of the nine year old. Maybe you could tell that story and and then what Philadelphia was going through at the time, not the beginnings of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, of course. Yeah, so of course, you know, you, you know that Philadelphia means, for the listeners out there, it means Felix, which means love, and Adolfo, which means love of your brother or city, brother you love his wife. We call you guys that, yeah. or you call yourself that today. Um, and so Philadelphia was a biblical city, and it was founded in the 2nd century B.C. Uh, by the Pergamum King Eumenes II. And this was a very important city. It was, it, it, And the thing about Philadelphia is that you know, they had a lot of earthquakes that were shaking it. Perhaps one of the greatest earthquakes in the history of the world happened uh, in the first century B.C. during that time. Um, so it's a very important city, and, and it's, it's being written to there. There was a very significant church that was there, and we don't sometimes realize that because we don't have the letters in the main epistles. We have Colossus, we have Ephesus, we have Philippi, but, but here we see the Church of Philadelphia. Now, you asked about the story in the beginning. I talked about NASA's opportunity, and I talked about um, how they were trying to decide what are they going to call these Mars rovers that go into space and, and look, look around and take pictures the way we have it. Yeah. And so NASA gave the opportunity for a young, or, or, or I should say elementary school students, to try and name it. So they had, it, it turned into an essay competition. Yeah. And so a young girl, she wrote in, her name was uh, Sophie, she was a Siberian orphan, and she had a dream of living in the USA, and her essay was only 50 words long, Kim, and it said this, I used to live in an orphanage, it was dark, it was cold, it was lonely, and I would night, at night I would look up, and I would see the sky, and I would feel, I felt better, and she said, thank you for the spirit and the opportunity, or the opportunity to be American. Hmm. And so, you know... Nine years old saying that, right? Nine years old, nine years old saying that. And they said, this really encompasses what it means to be an American, because here in America we have opportunities. Here in America we, we embody, you know, an American spirit. Let's go get, let's work, let's work hard, hmm. let's defend the rights of other people. And so, you know, she... She wins the competition, okay? 10,000 so people, about, right? 10,000 people entered that, and a nine-year-old from Arizona wins this. this is a, I mean, sometimes it's a parenthesis. I have a nine-year-old, too, at home, and I, and I think about yeah. sometimes we forget our, our kids have a lot, on, in, in, whether it's younger or teenagers. But there's a lot going on in their minds, and it's easy. You yeah. go by the outside, and sometimes you're like, yeah, whatever, and keep moving. And it's like, no, like, remember. <laughs> For a girl to express right. that growing up in an orphanage, I mean, that's, that's amazing. So anyway, go ahead. But the word opportunity was big. Because that also ties yeah. into the chapter. It ties into the chapter. And so we, I talk about the importance of opportunity, how an opportunity can take a young girl who's a Siberian orphanage, you give her the right opportunity, and now she has, you know, really a chance to do anything with her life that she couldn't have done. And so the Philadelphians may have felt the same way because they were experiencing tremendous persecution from people at that time that were non-Christians, they were not following the kingdom. They were under Greco-Roman rule at the time. They were under the Roman Empire. They would be experiencing persecution from the Roman Empire, but as well as those that were not Christians at that time, persecuting them. They were Jewish zealots. And God comes to them through this letter, and he offers them a tremendous, tremendous opportunity. And I talk about in the book how uh, God comes to us and gives us opportunities to deliver us. And deliverance many times comes from an opportunity that comes from God. And so 
Um, he alludes to a door, and so oftentimes in Scripture, we don't see the word opportunity, but we see, you know, the word for a door. And he says, and, and he describes himself, or John describes Jesus, he describes himself, I should say, as one who opens an, a door that no one will shut, one who shuts a door uh, that no one's opening. How do you and say so, that in Greek, by the way? And now some Greek listeners may say my pronunciation is lax, but it's because I have an American tongue. So, you know. <laughs> okay. I have a friend from Cyprus, and they, they always get on me, and I say, look, my tongue is American. It's never going to change. <laughs> <laughs> Although your palate is Greek at some, at some points, or no? Right, my palate, yeah, my palate is Greek. I'm always at the Greek, uh, the, the Coney Islands here, the Greek places, the Euro stores. I love it. Oh, that's you know? good. That's good, but but and 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 you, so you're but you were mentioning that who you know uh, Jesus is the one who uh, opens and no one will shut the door who you know opens and no one will shut and who shuts and yeah. no one will open. So it's kind of like it's mm-hmm. it's emphasizing it, which is another point you you bring up in that. Yeah, so I call it the chiasm, the repetition of an idea in reverse sequence, and we see this. This this is a figure of speech. Uh, not figure of speech, but I say this is a. A way of emphasizing on the literary strategy, literary device, I should say, that uh, we see in our culture. And in the book, I say that Kennedy, uh, John Kennedy, who is uh, one of our presidents, right. said this when he says, "Ask not what you can do for your country, but ask what um, you can. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country." So right. it's a play on words that adds emphasis and creates, uh, you know, big ideas. And so this is a nuance. I mean, this we we look at this sometimes and say. Well, that doesn't. Who cares about that? But you know, when you're when you're illiterate, you're living in an illiterate society, and this is being read to you because Book of Revelation was passed around and was read. Most people aren't reading it. The scholars were at that time. The first century scholars may have been, but the the average Christian is hearing it. So hearing this, they would have remembered it. You know, like yeah. work to live, not live to work. It's easy to remember, and it would have really solidified in their mind. Hey, there's a great opportunity that's before us. And that is how we can get out of this persecution, how we can find deliverance as people that are being persecuted. And the Greek really just pulls that out. Chris Palmer is our guest. And again, the book Greek for the Week, uh, Letters from Jesus. And this is uh, just a you know, 52-chapter book, but each one's about four pages long. This was chapter 40, just asking you about wait for God's opportunities to change your life. And you gave a couple examples, both uh, with the nine-year-old um, orphan who, who wound up winning that big contest with NASA, but also Jesus in, in Revelation chapter 3 and, and, and what we just talked about there a second ago. But to, and then expanding it further to everyone, kind of at the end of the chapter, you talk about, and, and this I think anybody can relate to this, the idea of uh, don't, run, don't run ahead of God. It's very easy to do that, you know, and then and, and yeah. God has to, you know, bail you out or correct yeah. things, but he loves us, so he's, he's not mad at us. But um, the prayer that you have at the end and uh, the activity and thinking about, hey, uh, if you you put the book down after reading chapter 40 and getting that scriptural insight, it helps a person yeah. think about, okay, is, is my life in overdrive or am I running ahead of God or am I actually going to give him some room to act first and let me follow him? <laughs> so, Yeah, it's so easy. I mean, if I look at my own life and I see where I've messed up, it's because I got ahead of God and I tried to create my own, my own opportunities. One uh, pastor said this one time. He said, I'd rather be one step uh, two steps behind God and one step ahead of Him. Mm. And it's because you really mess things up when you get ahead of God. So in the book, I talk about how the Philadelphians saw God as the opportunity maker. They're mm. going through tough trials. Let God be the one that creates the door, He opens the door. And I didn't put this in the book because I didn't know how many people would relate, but I used to play uh, Nintendo 
And Mario 2 was really big in Nintendo. And in Mario 2, you'd find this little glass bottle, and you'd throw the bottle, and break, and the door would show up. And after that door showed up, you only had about two seconds to go through it, and it would take you to the next warp zone or next special level. You didn't go through it at the time, and the door disappeared. Mm. I talked about so it represents opportunity and how God, He's the one that caused the door to get before you. And when He does, successful believers will go through it because they recognize it. And that gets into other chapters about really paying attention to the Holy Spirit's will for your life and allowing Him to lead and guide you to see those opportunities. Yeah. Chris Palmer is our guest. He's author of Greek for the Week Letters from Jesus Stories. From the Seven Churches of Revelation, if you want to win a copy, it's 610-500-DOVE. That's our text line, 610-500-3683. Let's throw the word Greek in there and your first and last name if you would. And if you win, we'll ask you for your address. Uh, also, forecast-wise, cloudy the rest of the afternoon and evening, a little 36, maybe a little drizzle at times. Cloudy tomorrow, a couple showers possible, high 50. Flyers uh, are home tonight against Boston at 7. Sixers at Indiana this evening also at 7. Uh, college football championship tonight. Clemson and LSU going at it. 8 o'clock kickoff there. And uh, KC and Green Bay both won yesterday. They'll be in the final four, as it were, taking on Tennessee and San Francisco, respectively, this coming weekend in the quest for the Super Bowl. Before we go to our break and continue our chat with Chris, and we also have a little uh, food action coming up later on in the hour. Uh, Danny, maybe we, we draw from the text line. Let's get our first winner, shall we? All right. All right, you ready? What do we, who do we got? We have Denise from Philadelphia. All right, Denise, way to go. Denise doesn't sound like a very Greek name, does it? No. But it's okay. Denise the Nose. I'm not Greek, and it's okay. Oh, that's true. That is true. Hey, so if you want to join Denise and perhaps be a winner, text in 610-500-DOVE. Back with more in a moment. Tim DeMoss Show and WFIL. Live and local, it's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. 438. Tim Show. WFIL.com. And on the app. Chris Palmer again, our guest, Greek for the Week, the book Letters from Jesus. And you also mentioned you have another one in the works that maybe comes out in the summertime at some point? Yeah, it's coming out in uh, the second week of August. It's called Greek Word Study. It is uh, 90 Greek words that unlock scripture. And uh, I just really put my always this book and to pull out Greek words that just have such depth of, of historical use, use in the New Testament, and just relating it again to examples from culture that just leave a, a, a picture. I believe in using pictures to teach, because you don't, you don't forget pictures. Yeah. So each each word has become a word picture. And I, there's been studies done like this before, but I felt that this one for... 2020, and so I really updated, talked a lot about culture, technology, things that we find ourselves involved with today. I love the fact that in a short amount of time, you know, folks look through the book that we're talking about, Letters from Jesus, that you do have these in very digestible, uh, you know, but but still substantial chapters. So it doesn't have to go on and on and on to bring up a point and it has application and, you know, a lot of different things in it. Um, I have two last questions for you. We could talk all day, but we could, maybe we can catch up with you next time, next book. But, um, Kind of cycling back a little bit to the idea of why would a person want to take time to dig deeper? Like, um, and, and here's an example. And I don't know if um, so. So Proverbs three, five, and six is like one of the Hall of Fame passages. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. So Proverbs three, five, and six. So growing up, and still now, um, I often hear that those two verses brought up in the context 
of the future and what direction I should go with my life or college or work or marry this person or something. My Bible teacher told me in high school that the paths referred to in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 are actually moral paths. Uh, not sure if that was a linguistics thing or not, but I've ever I've always thought about, like, it makes sense, especially how much of Proverbs talks about morality and, and sexual purity or making bad decisions or whatever, good decisions, um, and storing up wisdom. And uh, but, but the play out of that being like your, your moral paths will be straight, not you'll know what you should do after you do the next thing, like what's, what's around the corner. And um, so anyway, that to me, it still works on both levels. The bigger umbrella is trusting God for direction in your life. But it helped me hearing someone advanced, more knowledgeable than I was to say, you know what? Remember when he says that, and so it gives it sheds it sheds new light. So I I, I don't know, if, sure. you know that's uh, makes sense. Yeah. So anyhow, for you, similarly, do you feel like if if someone's willing to take the time, because you mentioned in the book, um, if we want to truly benefit from God's word, we have to spend time with it and let it infuse into our hearts. Studying God's word in the original language focuses us to approach it with reverence and awe, humbling ourselves to obey what it says, whether it's something we want to hear or not. Not just grab a book, open, read it for a quick hit, and move on. Yeah. So I, I personally agree. Um, I think people that really love God's Word, they want to go deeper. Now, I was talking to someone yesterday, and uh, they, they brought a scripture up to me, and it was, it was tough. I mean, because it's not talked about often. They said, well, what does this mean? And they wanted the simple, easy answer. And I said, look, it, there's... I, <laughs> don't you know, we all, right? <laughs> right, don't we all. Don't there's we an app for that, right? <laughs> all right. Here's the simple, easy answer. Now, I can give you the simple, easy answer, but you're going to ask me to show you the map. How did I work that out? So what I told them is, for every simple, easy answer, there's research that goes behind it for, for you to understand it. So um, when I was in Israel, uh, our tour guide said this. I never forgot. He said, uh, today, we cannot allow quick, easy quotes to replace uh, study because study is meditation and meditation gets in your heart. Quotes don't often get into your heart. Mm. And, and, you know, it doesn't really stress your thinking. So to answer your question, I do believe that as believers, as Christians, I always say as an academic that I know that academics can't replace the work of the Spirit. I acknowledge that. But I do know that academics is very worshipful when you do it. And it's loving God with your mind. And there's nothing better for me to put my, no better exercise for my mind than to, when I look at the Word of God like it's a jungle gym or it is a fitness center, and every time I'm going through a Greek word or I'm looking at a scripture in context or finding out or approaching that scripture, it's like it on the treadmill or it's like lifting weights. What it does to your mind, it cleanses your mind, it purifies your mind, it makes your heart more thankful. As a Christian for over 25 years, I can say that there's nothing that quite replaces true studying the Word when you have those moments when you start studying God's Word for five minutes and you really lay into it. You get on a trail and you look up, it's been two and a half hours. Now people say, well, I'm too busy for that. Well, listen, same people say that. They'll watch The Bachelor and they'll rewind <laughs> The Bachelor again and they'll talk about The Bachelor. You know, and I'm not against your show, but what I am saying is we all have time. It's just we make it for what we deem that's important. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, that's good. That's good. Well, and that's a perfect a dovetail for those just tuning in. Chris Palmer's our guest. Greek for the Week is the podcast. The book Greek for the Week: Letters from Jesus, uh, fifty-two chapters, about four pages each, and uh, letters to the seven churches re- referenced in Revelation. Um, and there's a lot more we could talk about. But but I think what you just said also 
it's also very, very, very helpful for people to remember, and you bring this up near the beginning of the book, how the Greek even – like why Greek in the first place? And, and so people don't think they have to be geniuses to learn Greek. In fact, the, the, the common Greek back then versus the learned Greek like Aristotle used, you talk about that. Maybe that's a, a good point to drive home with folks that they don't have to feel like they have to be a 4.0 student and went to Harvard or something. Yeah, yeah, they don't. I mean, you, you really, to, 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 that's probably the, the thing about the book. And some reviewers on Amazon said, you know, I was thrown off by Greek on this front. I thought it was going to be tough, but it was really simple. And I think that maybe is the irony of the book that I really like, is that you think it's going to be tough, and then you read it and you say, maybe this is too simple. I had somebody complain and say, for as deep as a person you are, it's kind of too simple. I said, look, you can't make everybody happy. And I'd rather you call it too simple or <laughs> yeah. too complicated. You know, but you know, you don't have to be a genius. And to, to go what you said, there was different types of Greek at the time. There's Attic Greek, which was like you said, Aristotle, Homer's, uh, excuse me, Homer, and uh, Iliad, Odyssey. It was, it was the language of philosophers. And then there was this street talk. It's called Koine. Yeah. Okay, and Koine was everyday. The, the language of the merchants, the language of the fishermen, and the, the leathersmiths and the blacksmiths. And the Word of God was not written the same way that the philosophical works of the day, not in the same Greek, it was a different Greek. It was in everyday common Greek, because you know something, Tim, the way that the gospel was spread, it wasn't spread by philosophers. Isn't that amazing? It was it was spread by people telling their testimonies about encountering the living God in the marketplace, on the boats, in the ships, wherever they were at, and, and God said, you know what, we're going to make the written word in the same language that the message was spread. And so it's a message for everybody, and I would be wrong to put letters from Jesus in a language that nobody can understand except for scholars. I have to put it in the language of the day. I follow the method of the Bible. I put it in street talk. Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's a great That's a great point. I love that. Uh, yeah, excellent. Excellent. Chris, it's been a pleasure talking with you, man. <laughs> hey, Tim, I, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, the Pistons, they stink this year, so, so go fix them. I'm all for it. Way to go. Thank you, Chris. Letters from Jesus is the book if you want to win a copy. Send a quick text to 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683 with the word Greek in there and your first and last name. And get yourself in the mix. We'll make another winner or two before the show's done. Special phone call coming up in a second. We'll talk a little food angle on this thing. Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. Tour 48, the Tim DeMars Show. Got a call to make here to wrap up our program. Check, 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 check. Hello. Hello, dear sister. Hey, favorite baby brother. How you doing? Wonderful. <laughs> Good. What can I do for you, sir? I'm in need of Greek recipiness. So, so we've had this author, Chris Palmer, on all hour, his book, Letters from Jesus, and all of this conversation about Revelation 2 and books and stuff has me hungry. <laughs> all right. And no doubt our listening audience is hungry as well. <laughs> so just to be fair, you know, of course, we have, a, you know, a wonderful mother who went to glory a few years back, had amazing recipes, and you learn from her. So, and I know you're the keeper of the, the golden book that no one can really see. No. <laughs> so. <laughs> that thing is priceless. Yes. 
So our podcasts are usually free, but in this case, we may charge. I think you should. If they're getting a Dora DeMoss recipe. Uh, Or a Rebecca Wilson recipe is a pretty close second there, or even even tied, if I dare say that. So (laughs) you've made wonderful food over the years and after mom's home going as well. So many, many Greek celebration. And we're glad that that continues. But yeah. uh, if you have it in yet, because I caught wind that you are actually doing some cooking this afternoon. I am. I'm actually making her rice pudding. Wow. So <laughs> I'm thinking, because we don't have a ton of time, but we have some time from a recipe standpoint, people listening, is there such a thing as something that's not too complicated to explain? But uh, Well, if you're in the mood for dessert, we could talk rice pudding, uh, which I think is fairly straightforward. Or if you're in the mood for a soup, I can give you her... Uh, of a lemono soup Ooh. recipe, which actually I'm very glad to have it because, um, as you might remember, I used to go there once a month to help out for a little bit. And uh, I have a note here that on March 2015, um, I was in the kitchen cooking, actually making, making the soup. And I, <clears throat> I remember thinking, she's always been around and I've always kind of known what she does. But this time I kind of called to her as she was sitting in the back room, like, asked her all the steps. So I had it all scribbled down and didn't the Lord take her home the next month. So I'm very grateful that I have her actual uh, thing here. And actually, she ended up, when she was in the hospital, she didn't have much of an appetite for anything. Um, Hmm. When I first got there, she said, this food is terrible. Taste it. (laughs) And I'm like... uh, The hospital food, yeah. I really, I really don't want to taste terrible food. Uh, but anyway, she didn't have much of an appetite. But the last thing she ate this side of heaven was a fourth of a cup of the abalone soup. And wow. uh, she, she said, you made this. It's good. <laughs> I'm like, well, thanks, thanks to you, Mom. I now know how, I, I have it written down for posterity. Well, so. for folks just tuning in, I'm chatting with my sister, our the firstborn in our family, the, the queen bee of sorts. And then the four, the four princes followed, and that's another story another time about your, you know, wanting to be the only girl, the only boy. Ah, that is a good story. Well, yeah, you wanted, to, you wanted a, a sister. Which brother was it where you finally they had to send you away because you— John. Was it John, our third, the third of the four? Because I had two brothers, and they told me in seven months I would have a brother or a sister. So I said, make it a sister, because they had all that time to work on it. How old were you at that point? Maybe eight? <laughs> Maybe I should have known better. No, I was uh, six, six or seven. Six, okay. Uh, yeah. So mom called and she said, Becky, I, I did try, but you do have another brother. And, and I was so disappointed. I hand the phone back to my father. I don't want to talk to anybody. It's just like, <laughs> it just, it seems so unbalanced that I would have three brothers and now, you know, no sisters whatsoever. Yes. But, but, but seven, yeah, one, seven years later, like, they're pregnant again. And you're like, I don't want a sister now. I want another brother because I'm the only game in town. That's right. So I was just as glad you were the caboose. And, well, and, uh, you, and and as you mentioned, you used to travel back and forth to Florida where mom and dad were the past 20 years <laughs> and uh, help just kind of take care of things, take care of them and and enjoy their company and making that soup. I, that sounds like a good a good way to go. Do you have a minute to I share do. the recipe? So this is Avalemono soup, which is spelled yes. A-V-G-O, and I lose the rest of it from there. Avgo. And then lemon. Oh, so okay. A-V-G-O. Of go lemon, no. You can if you want to start with 
with a chicken and, and just cook the whole thing that way. You could get, get broth that way, cooking it with a bay leaf, salt and pepper, onion and celery, but no carrots, and just let it kind of cook down, debone it and all that, and just strain the broth. Or you could buy canned broth if you wanted to. Okay. So you, you, you need hot broth uh, to start. In a mixer on the counter, you will beat eight egg whites. Okay. And by the way, we're gonna, this will mm-hmm. be in podcast form, so feel free to just you know, kind of say it. And for those who really okay. want to get it, they can go to our site and, and just play back the podcast, pause it, and get what they need. So you know, feel like you can kind of read through the recipe as you need to. Oh, okay. That's helpful. So you have the egg whites beat in, one, in the mixer. In a separate bowl, you have um, the, the yolks you have whisked together with at least a half a cup of freshly squeezed lemon juice. Okay. So you're incorporating it, whisking briskly so that it doesn't curdle. That's a whisk and I'm willing to take. I hope. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, so you're going to pour that lemon-egg mixture slowly into the egg whites, incorporating it very slowly, folding it. You're not going to beat it fast. And then you add the slowly add the hot broth into that egg white mixture. Okay. And that's it. And then just incorporate all of it into the big pot on the stove. And then you would turn off the heat, I think, so it wouldn't curdle. Okay. But it's very lemony and light, and it looks kind of fancy because it, it has that egg white, you know, mixed in, yeah. into it. It's kind of brothy. And well, when like it's that. done, there's the, and there's also kind of that foamy top to it. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what that egg lemon. Um, so people don't worry that it went, went went awry. That's that's supposed to happen. There should be kind of a it's frothiness. Supposed to, supposed to like, mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. How long would you say if you had the ingredients all ready together? How long would it take to do from start to finish? If you're making your own broth, I don't know. Maybe an hour to to do the cooking of the chicken and the vegetables together, okay. and uh, and then straining it and. At another point, you could debone everything, I suppose, because you're not going to put the chicken and the vegetables into the avalamino soup. It's just that. Okay. Um, yeah. Good. Well, thank you, dear sister, for sharing. You're welcome. And this is a little appetizer, pun partially intended, because of yeah. introducing the audience to my sweet sister, because, you oh, know, hello. Brother Bob's been <laughs> on, <Hi>. Brother Steve, <laughs> Brother John. I don't think Brother John's been on yet. We may have to get him on the program. Of course, Dad came in, Kristen, and so. wow, the more the merrier, right? Well, I've learned a lot from all of you growing up, so and still do. So I, I like to shine the light where it's due, which is a lot of places. Oh. oh, well, good. I'm always glad to talk with you. Love you, big sis. I love you too. Thanks for taking Bye time. All right. Bye for now. Bye for now. All right, so that'll do it for the show, pretty much. If you want to get the podcast of our time with Chris Palmer and his book, Letters from Jesus, or if you want to get the podcast version of the recipe my sister just shared, go to WFIL.com. Hold on, hotline's ringing. Hey, guys. Hello, dear sister. You're- well, I'm chagrined to, to report that as soon as I hung up, I realized that there was a little line that I had neglected to report on. Okay. That you need to... A- you need to throw a little rice in there. I thought it sounded like I hadn't put everything in. Okay. So in, you're going to cook. You're going to cook. You know, a, a cup maybe of rice in with the broth until it's very soft, and then you're going to do 
the, the um, rest that I had told you about. Okay. But there should be some soft rice in there, too. And, um, and that's cooked for, with or, the broth, or, not or, separately. So, yes, it's cooked in, in the broth for a while. When, it, when it's nice and soft, then you can um, whip the eggs, egg whites, and the yolks and the lemon and incorporate the whole business. So, I'm getting I, hungry now. I'm glad to make it for you. Remember how mom always said, I want something nice and hot on the back of my throat? Yes, that's right. That's, that's what she wanted. She wanted this soup especially for me. Nice and hot on the uh, back yeah. of my throat. <laughs> Absolutely. I may have to nice stop over for some. Yeah, well, all right. <laughs> I can squeeze you in. Thanks, All sis. All right, darling. I love you. Love you, too. Have a great day. You, too. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Coming down the home stretch, Danny. Do we have any winners? We do. We have Elizabeth from Hainesport. Yay, Elizabeth. And Diane from Philadelphia. Congratulations to both of them. Picking up Chris Palmer's book. We had Chris on most of the hour. My sister capping off the hour. Chris's book called Letters from Jesus. Studies from the Seven Churches of Revelation. Had some fun Greek music, too. Full podcast available to you in just moments at WFIL.com. We'll pass things along now to Jim Maxim, Max 413 Ministries. He leads in prayer next. This program dedicated to my loving mom, Doris Darius Moore. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.